For your safety, please stay seated with your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the log. And be sure to watch your kids have a zippity-doo-dah ride on Animusic. I think that's how the spiel went for Splash Mountain. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've been on, actually, either or for Florida or... Well, we haven't been to a Disney park in a hot minute. Well, well, not even that. It's like we never go on Splash Mountain. We, yeah, we have more... Well, there, there's two there, There's two southern-style rides there and that are right next to each other, and the Haunted Mansion, which is right next door to Splash Mountain, is always going to take precedence. So. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, wait, because you, you said uh, did, you went on Splash Mountain when not too long ago, or no? Uh, you, you're asking me? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> it was when I took Matt, so it must have been at least 2013, 2014. Okay. Oh, okay. That, that's actually closer than, like, later than any either of us, because I think the last time I went on a Splash Mountain ride was in 2010. I've never been on Splash Mountain ride with you, David. We can fix that. I mean, we've done the log ride at Knott's Berry Farm, but that's, that's it's better. It's the better ride. <laughs> only, better. only at Halloween. There's no singing animals. In welcome to Anna Musings. Uh, we're this is well, I should say, welcome to Anna Musings Plus. Uh, we're gonna do another spinoff episode. We've been talking about this one for a little while. Um, it's like Uncle Remus says, you can't run from trouble. There ain't no place that far. We're going to talk about Song of the South. All right, but we're going to need some help. Uh, so we brought on a guest. Randy, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, my name is Randy Guerra. I'm an illustrator. And I grew up in the South, the actual South. So this is uh, going to be interesting. <laughs> what part of the South, actually, if you don't mind me asking? I was raised in Alabama. Nice. Actually, this this actually takes place in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. But well, but, I but thought still. I thought I thought the dad was going back to Atlanta from wherever oh, they dropped right. off. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's somewhere in Georgia, you know. Yes, yeah. it takes place mostly in Georgia, though. But. They just all had Georgia on their minds. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we. we but yeah, so, yeah, but at, because of that, and then of course your your illustrator background, I thought, hey. This would be good because I, I, I don't, have we had a proper artist? Yes, we have actually. No, we've had Sade on. We had Sade. Sade's a proper artist. Yeah, but <laughs> not not like Grandy, who's actually a paid illustrator and designer. That's nothing. Like that's, that's not a knock against Sade. No, no, but that's but um, I mean, uh, that's like this is his profession, which is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's what I like to make my money on, and I mainly do it by drawing fantasy orcs. That's kind of my thing. Well, orcs are pretty rad, and there need to be more orcs. Uh, we are. Are we just delaying the inevitable with this movie? Uh, okay, so, okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna say this: it's not as bad as um his flight uh propaganda film. It's much better than that. Oh, you mean uh, Victory Three Air Power? Yeah. It's it's you mean it less boring? It's less boring than that. <laughs> um, Still boring. I mean, you, you thought so my, too. I mean, I I sat and I watched the movie, thinking, "Oh, I'm older now. It's been a while. Maybe I'll have seen something now that I haven't seen." And I just found myself trying not to fall asleep at some parts. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. David's never seen it before. Before this, I saw it eight years ago, and I mm. was thoroughly bored then. I think I can find some good in it now. Yeah. That I'm older, oh, but it's. Yes. Just, but it's still... I just kept waiting for there to be a major conflict that would cause something to happen. And while there were little minor conflicts all the way through it, nothing felt like it actually had any weight to it. Even when uh, Chekhov's bull showed up. Okay, I, I probably should give like at least a summary. Yeah, well let's talk a little... Can we talk a little bit about the history and then have that lead into the summary? Okay, yeah. What uh, do you know about this film? Alright, so um, I'm gonna spout out some history about this. Um, it was... Uh, it came out in, on November 12th, 1946. Uh, it's based off the Uncle Remus stories, um, a collection of African-American folk tales by Joel Chandler Harris, which uh, was published in 1881. And this is post-Reconstruction, so uh, after uh, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yes, Walt Disney made this film right after the Civil War. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, I got to make that clear because that's going to be important later on. So, um, it, I mean, well, actually, it is interesting because we're we're also post-war when this movie came out, but a different war. Uh, oh yeah, uh, post World War II. Um, this, um, I mean, this film did really well in terms of like the box office. Um, it actually won a. It was nominated for a couple Academy Awards. Um, the score was nominated for scoring a musical picture, but Zippity Doodah actually won the Academy Award for Best Song. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty awesome. It's the only real memorable song. Well, no. It's infectious. It, it is. is. Well, I, I to be between that and How Do You Do, I actually kind of like How Do You Do better. I like I'd, oh, I'd be lying if I haven't been humming that song since I watched the movie today. <laughs> <laughs> I like Zippity Doodah. I mean, um, both are really catchy. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I don't like Zippity Doodah, but I like, I like How Do You Do. Um, the story itself is about a young boy named Johnny who's going to visit his grandma's plantation for a vacation. Um, only, or what he thinks is a vacation. But it turns out his parents, uh, and I actually had to look this up because I was kind of... <laughs> it's very unclear in the movie. It's very unclear. Uh, his parents are actually separating. And, yeah, that's... Mm. And um, so... I figured it was like... I figured it was something akin to like a divorce or a... Yeah. Or at very least, it's like, I'm tired of you and your face. But, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. There goes oh, it did not read that well to me. I just assumed they were having some kind of tiff because of his job. No, I figured that too, but I had to look it up. No, they're actually considering separating. That's why she's staying with her mother. Um, and that's why they kept saying, should we tell her? And they're like, no, not yet. Um, so he, the dad leaves. Uh, Johnny's stuck on a plantation. And he's lonely and bored and considers running away but then runs into uncle remus and it's just a bunch of different little conflicts that happen and during through each conflict uh uncle remus shows up and tells a story about brer rabbit and um i mean he uses brer rabbit's sort of teachings to sort of help him get through different things that happen yeah uncle remus sort of gives him those kernels of homespun wisdom and johnny uses them to uh outwit and outfox a couple of uh red-headed stepchildren <laughs> i i'm not gonna li- who are just total <laughs> no 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 sorry yeah, yeah we're gonna get yeah there's a lot of stereotypes <laughs> in here there's a lot of stereotypes i mean this movie this movie has been given some I mean, let's just say it. This movie, people are like, this movie is racist. Yeah. People are like, this movie is straight up racist. Um. Well. And that, I don't know. I I can give like the history of that, by the way. Yeah. So actually, when it was released, um, the NAACP um did make a statement. Uh, the executive secretary, and believe it or not, the executive secretary at the time was named Walter White. I'm not kidding. Whoa. You're- yeah, I know, right. <laughs> The one who knocks indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he, he made a statement. And then threw a pizza on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so he made a statement that, uh, he says, uh, the NAACP recognizes in Song of South that it is a remarkable artistic merit in music and combination of living actors and the cartoon technique. It regrets, however, that in, in an effort neither to offend audience in the North or South, the production helps to perpetuate a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. Making use of the beautiful Uncle Remus folklore, Song of the South unfortunately gives the impression of an idyllic master-slave relationship, which is a distortion of the facts. Now, uh, Walter White had actually never seen the movie. Well, he can't say anything if he doesn't so, watch the movie. Uh, I'm just saying. We, I watched the movie before. I, I like. I've heard of people throughout my life to say, oh, Song of the South is racist. And I'm like... I've never seen it, so I don't know. So I wanted to, like, actually see it and draw my own conclusions. Well, it got... In 1970, It they said that it was permanently retired, but then they re-released it in 1972, 1981, and 1986, but then it became banned in America. I th- ah. Yeah, so it's uh, it definitely has a lot of controversy. Um, yep. What do you... I mean, what do you... I think? mean... Uh, as a kid, the movie had this sort of stigma about it because, uh, you know, I come from a black family. 
Mm-hmm. You know, black man, if you can't tell through the magical world of podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it has this sort of air about it. Like, it's a movie that glorifies things. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Always know your history. But still, you know, it's a ch- movie for kids. I, it's never been viewed in my family as something that should be completely thrown away. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, no one really speaks highly of it either. Is it because it's boring or is it because it's racist? <laughs> a little bit of both, I would imagine. <laughs> well, my uh, I mean, what... it's not like it's overtly racist. It's trying its best to be wholesome. Yeah. But then yeah. comes the whole, hey, we love being former slaves and <laughs> singing around campfires and... Well, you know, <laughs> we were we were we were wondering what the relationship is now between the people living in the big white house and the people living in the like cabins on the on the plantation land. And I th- I thought I was kept thinking to myself, is this like a sharecropper situation? Are the are these people being paid? Like what? It's it's like an apprenticeship thing because after the um, abolition of general slavery, a lot of people who had grown up on plantations uh, just opted to stay. It's kind of you know the only place they knew, mm-hmm. and instead it was more like a weird non-indentured servitude you know you stay where it's familiar i can't say if most were paid i think people did it out of habit in some places um you'd have to do extensive research on that like on a case-by-case basis right Mm -hmm. well the 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 sort of work song that all the all the folks are singing when they like leave in the morning and come back in the evening about trouble 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 you know Mm -hmm. let the wind let the Rainfall. I can't remember the lyrics exactly, but they talk about how this place is still their home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I kind of get that. But even so, hmm. Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen? Everything you've known has just sort of been uprooted and suddenly you're free to do whatever you want. And a lot of people like just didn't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, the problem is this movie doesn't portray it that way. Well, well, yeah, that, that's the, the no one. The, the pro, well, here's here's my thing about this movie in general. Other than like a couple of characters, and I gotta I, okay, I gotta hand it to some of the actors in here. Um, other than characters like say Uncle Remus or um, Johnny or you know a few others, um, no one in this movie is that complicated. Pretty much everybody is some sort of cookie cutter stereotype, black and white. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when when the that one family, when those two those two bully kids showed up, I immediately went, "Oh, look, white trash." <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help but like think that those two little boys were, in my watching anyway, probably besides Remus, the best part of the movie. <laughs> they were pretty entertaining. One of them is straight up gonna murder Johnny. Yeah, like yeah. He grabs a like. There's a point where um, Johnny starts to beat up one of the kids, and then the other kids just grabs the biggest stick he can find and you're like oh my god uncle remus has to stop him <laughs> um actually that's actually one thing i'm gonna bring up uh if not if not now I, or eventually is uh uncle the actor who played uncle remus which is um uh james basket he's who- so good in this though yes he's the best part of the movie yeah uh, well, the the two best things about the movie are james basket's uncle remus and james basket's bear fox <laughs> so uh funny enough uh james basket um when he auditioned just wanted to play a talking butterfly that was his the only thing he wanted and then uh when they when walt disney heard his voice he said i want to meet basket personally and then had him tested for the role of uncle remus so not only did he get the role of uncle remus he got the voice of Br'er fox and the butterfly's voice and then actually during that whole laughing place scene, uh, the original voice actor for Br'er Rabbit, Johnny Lee, was uh, was away. So Basket came in and filled in for that voice during the laughing place scene. He was the Jim Cummings of his time. Seriously. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. It, it wasn't even noticeable. I know, right? I, like, we were trying to listen. It's like, I can kind of hear it, but yeah like we were both trying to like he and i were trying to figure out like is it here i mean we we, we were trying to pinpoint it um but it's hard it's hard to tell mm-hmm. i mean i noticed moments when like for example with brer bear uh they would it, he, they would he would react to something he would go like ouch and it was clearly a stock goofy sound they had just kind of slowed down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but um i thought that was but but then yeah it's, it's a lot harder to tell with brer rabbit um funny enough walt disney like he and James Basket became really close friends. Aww. Um, actually, he he said it out loud to himself. Uh, 
this he is one of the best actors I have met in years. <laughs> really? Yeah, and actually, um, he campaigned for uh, James to get an Academy Award for his performance. Oh yeah. And then, um, however, he didn't. I mean, James Basket didn't get one, but he won an honorary award. Mm-hmm. And then, um, sadly, I mean, four months after the ceremony, um, James passed away of uh, uh, heart failure due to diabetes. But um, his widow said to Disney, he's like, um, this is what it's quoted, he had been a friend indeed, and we certainly have been in need. Aw. Yeah. So, honestly, the best part about this movie is James Basket and just... One, as Uncle Remus, he's, his laughter is infectious. He's just so warm. And I I get he's kind of playing a stereotype. Is it is it a, well, but, but Uncle, I mean, he's he's portraying, he, he's portraying Uncle Remus. And Uncle Remus is kind of a, like, you yeah. Know I mean, I was trying to describe it to my uh, boyfriend earlier, that it's more or less like the African-American, not really Mother Goose and <laughs> it's like a character that's supposed to be like very welcoming comes to tell a story uh i can't say i was like too familiar with it growing up but i was aware of it and watching it portrayed as such it's like so heartwarming almost until i don't know i thought he was really intense in a couple of scenes though like which parts um, like when the first time he tells the story he goes to the zippity doo da song i felt like the lighting made him look almost a little sinister <laughs> oh. and then it pops into the song and you're like oh thank god yeah that's how <laughs> i felt. said the exact same thing uh, we were we were we were watching that part and it's real close up on him and it's just his face floating in the dark right mm-hmm. it's and, scary a little bit yeah and he's just so happy it's it's it, yeah he's, and he's he's doing a bit and all of a sudden blue sky and he's singing and smiling and i think to myself uh so i'm glad uncle remus let us escape from hell uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Remus. Yeah, that was. Like I could, I could tell if he was trying to like help this kid or scare him back to his home or something. <laughs> and then the song starts. You're like, oh, okay, he's an upstanding gentleman. I he's like a this. Very upstanding gentleman. Um, I will say, I think the the tech for, for since we are primarily an animation podcast. I mean, I do want to talk about the animation, but. Um, uh, it, it, it's got to be said, just even like the way he performs, because he's in the he's in the he's front and center in all these segments where he's in the cartoon world with these animal characters, and they're all animated. And this is uh, still this is still pushing the animation envelope, you know? Mm-hmm. Like and- just just tech, it's just a technically impressive feat, like to see him and these characters together. We kind of saw the start of that in um, um, Three Caballeros a little bit. But. Yeah. But then with this one, um, it feels so seamless. It's like he's, like, I don't ever think, like, oh, this is definitely a green screen. Like, it feels like he's there. And what I'm thinking, what I think of some of it is, is they actually, they probably rotoscoped a lot of it. But um, I'm at, the set that he's on is probably really meant to look like, and is angled such a way that it looks, he's probably painted and looks like a animation cell. And I had the same film. thought while I was watching it. Yeah. Like maybe he was walking on something that had been built and you know, instead of it him walking through a fake cell and him being put into it later, he was walking like a real thing that just meant to be looked it meant to look like one. Yeah. And stuff was flying around him. That's kind of what I I thought was happening. It's it's hard to know exactly what they did though. Um we we'd, we'd have to look into it deeper and we we kind of just want to get our our gut reactions to the movie within, you know, an hour or so having having watched it. Mm-hmm. Some of us for the first time. Um, but I, the one thing I was very happy to see, especially, so Dave and I, uh, we've watched so many package films, and they're lovely, but, like, the animation's kind of eh, where the animation here is, god, gorgeous, I miss this animation. <laughs> it's very good animation. Uh, like, you, you perk up whenever it's on. Yeah. Well, the, 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 in my opinion, the absolute best parts of the movie are the three stories, the three Brer Rabbit stories. Mm-hmm. When it gets to live action, I get bored again. <laughs> Um, I think one of my favorite quotes uh, from uh, Lindsay Ellis, the former nostalgia chick, was she talked about Song of the South one time, and there's a quote she said that stuck with me, where she was talking about the film being problematic. She said, uh, the only stereotype that I feel this movie perpetuates is that black people are boring. 
just, <laughs> I, know, I know the video you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and of course she follows that up with that clip of uh, the, you know there's Johnny and his friend standing in front. I don't even remember that kid's name, but they're standing in front of the grandfather clock. He's just like oh, when both hands point straight up. Watch out. <laughs> Let's watch this grandfather clock for fun. <laughs> the grandma is so nice. She just comes and turns it and it rings and it's just really calm. But the kid turns and just like, I told you. And I'm like, that, nothing happened. And that is the movie in a nutshell. I can't even remember that kid's name. Black kid either. with I the even, frog. I, I, yeah, I don't even remember like the the two kids name that were like the the, the stepchildren redheaded stepchildren the redheaded stepchildren I, they're just the favor brothers that's all i remember the fa- they're the favor brothers then there's jenny 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 yeah it's jenny there's johnny and jenny oh and that's God. the only reason i remember Uncle that Remus, uh the mo- mother is sally yeah oh and, didn't know <laughs> oh, yeah exactly I, they, they, I mentioned it and then uh um aunt, aunt teppy aunt teppy yeah Who's played by the wonderful Hattie McDonald, the only Academy Award winner in this whole goddamn movie? Well, not um, not honorary. No, she actually won an Academy Award. She's the first African American uh, person to do so. Hmm. I, I mean, I, re- I remember that. I was just, I mean, like, like technically, uh, Basket got an honorary Academy. He got Award, an honorary but... for this movie. He wasn't allowed to attend the premiere. Oh, the premiere of the film. Yeah, because the premiere took place in Atlanta, Georgia, and due to segregation laws, he was not allowed to attend. Oh, jeez. That's messed up. Not even allowed to attend the film you star in. Yeah. And here's the funny part. Uh, Walt went, but then he only, like, gave a few remarks and then immediately left and went to his room. He must have been disgusted. Yeah. I think he's like, I don't want to be here. Why Atlanta? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's because it, that's where... Oh, because that's where it was set. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's still... That's messed up. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to say, um, since we're still talking about... Since we're kind of talking about Aunt Teppy, uh, there's a moment at the very beginning of the movie where they're riding in the, the wagon, and there's clearly against a um, rear projector. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the way that she's framed, she looks like she's looking right at the camera as they're going along. And she's got this look like, yep, I'm in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just, I, I don't know if it's just because of the, the video quality was that great, but I swear she was staring right into my soul the entire time. It was just this knowing <laughs> smile on her face like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a good actress, and here I am in this kind of role again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she... She did it well. I can't she, say that she was bad. No, no. she was great. I, was, I liked her little song. The the little song she was singing while she was making dinner in the kitchen. Or, well, well, I also that, like... It's a very familiar kind of feeling for me. Like when a parent... Because uh, 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 like in uh, my family, it's a large uh, African-American family. People cook. Everyone comes over. Everyone eats. And wow. there's always someone in the kitchen. Someone singing... It's. It, I felt a little nostalgic watching that one scene, especially when he comes in and just expects to be fed. It was so nice. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I, I mean, that, that sounds about right. Uncle Remus uh, just, I, I kept thinking, like, Uncle Remus either wants food or he's into Aunt Teppy or both. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I couldn't tell either, but they're, I like their quips with each no, other. No, they're, they're fun together. I like that. And it's, it's not, they're not, they don't have a lot of shared screen time. But when they do, especially in that scene, it, it's 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 pretty it's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, I um, but beyond that, I guess like I said, with the live action bits, my major gripe with the movie overall is that conflicts come up, but they don't have any weight to them. It doesn't feel like they have any weight to them. Things just kind of get resolved. Like I kept wondering what happened to the dog. Yeah, because like wasn't they... the dog in the ending of the movie following the kids? Yeah, so that... I guess yeah. It was I mean okay. that, that there was no resolution to the dog thing the dog was just there at the end but they was like those two kids the brothers they wanted to drown the dog by the way they wanted to drown the dog so i instantly hated them but they're also dumb kids but and i kind of agree with you though they're kind of they're entertaining in a we're generic bullies kind of way yeah uh i well here's because it's like they wanted to drown the dog uh um johnny kept the dog but then the brothers told on johnny and he was forced to give the dog back to the brothers. But then they didn't drown the dog. But then nothing happened until the end of the movie, and then the dog returns, and you're like, oh, 
Okay, so what's the dog? How did, did that get resolved? Also, like, did did like you'd think Johnny would have been more broken up about that? Like, there's that bit where he's. He he's he's he, Uncle Remus is the one who did it, and Johnny's sad about it, and Uncle Remus is sad about it. Next scene is the birthday party, and they act, all of them act like nothing happened. Did that seem weird to you, Randy, or is that just me? Um, I mean, it's kind of odd. I was expecting there to be some kind of oh, she's just done this thing where she's like, don't talk to my son anymore, you know, stop with the stories and whatnot, and. He's like, okay, and he's all sad, and then the next day starts, and it's kind of like a weird, soft reset, and the girl's running out with her nice dress, and she's doing little curtsies. Yeah. And and the boys are just kind of like a weird bulk and skull parody from like, the Power <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> oh, my God. They're trying to find their best way to mess up something. Yeah. Oh. Oh Man, this they, movie would be improved exponentially by every time they're on screen, someone just puts in the bulk and skull thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And now just imagining them like with the bulk and skull haircuts too, dressed like them, and it's <laughs> Either that or every time they show up there's a Roger Klotz guitar riff. <laughs> um But I mean the one and okay, so that that whole thing happens. And then uh like, there's also that bit where they're like, I'm going to keep this dog. And it fades out and it's all nice. And then the next scene is Aunt Tempe going, Mama says can't keep that dog. And we're like, should, should there have been a scene there? I feel like there should have been a scene there. I feel like someone just sort of said, well, if we need him to bring the dog to Remus so Remus can tell the story. How are we going to do that? And someone just said, I don't know. Just cut to the next day. And they're telling him to get rid of it. <laughs> Um, I, I will say again, uh, I think Bobby, Bobby Driscoll, who plays Johnny, does a good job. And he, he's got an interesting history with the company because um, later, uh, for their uh, Walt Disney's first feature length, fully live action film, he is Treasure Island and he plays Jim Hawkins. But uh, more people will know him as uh, not just the model, but the voice actor for Peter Pan when he's like 13, 14 years old. Yeah, that kid grows up to be Peter Pan. He what? Grows up though, yeah. So he can't really be Peter Pan. Yeah, I did not know that. I, I, we, like, we had to look that up. Um, he's like, oh, David's like, yeah, that's Bobby Driscoll. He was in um, Treasure Island. I'm like, oh, really? And I looked it up. I'm like, he's also Peter Pan. And David's was like, what? I didn't know that bit about that. I just knew Bobby Driscoll was Jim Hawkins because, like, growing up, uh, Treasure that that version of Treasure Island was like one of my favorite movies. So, but yeah, he's Peter Pan. Later on. He's in another movie about pirates. He's just, he he excels in movies where pirates happen. <laughs> but that's like... Or where he gets mauled by a bull. Ugh, a bull. <laughs> Chekhov, I, I kept calling it Chekhov's bull because they really made a big deal about it showing up. Right, that one scene, don't go there, that's where that bull is, he'll chase you down, and then 75 <laughs> minutes go by, and then... <laughs> You forget the bull exists, and then the kid knows that the bull's there, but he decides to cut through this penned area anyway, and I was just watching it like, ugh, and then the mom just sort of watches him until it's too late. I like how she does the classic sort of Hollywood, like, scream where she, like, bites her knuckles and, like, turns her face away. Like, I can't bear to watch my son get gored by this bull. Conveniently, though, he's gored by the bull in such a way that he, I guess he flew under the fence and the bull's just standing there like well I did my thing and then it just walks away <laughs> today I have done a good <laughs> and it just walks I, back into the pen I have done what I've had to I've been waiting this is my big moment <laughs> said the bull <laughs> I did kind of like how it was an actual moment of tension in this tensionless movie though <laughs> that's yeah. true Cause, although it's funny because they're like he's on the verge of death they, or they didn't know if the, I don't even know if he was necessarily on the verge of death. They just said he's like delirious and he just keeps saying random things. And his dad comes out like, I'm here. And he's uh, and the kid, Johnny's just like, oh, whatever. Okay. I'd like to talk about that for a second. How okay. this kid just passes up his own father to have Uncle Remus come in and cure <laughs> him with the magical power of black fairy tales. <laughs> Hey, hey, don't I, I I think I think there's something to be said about the magical curative power of black fairy tales. <laughs> I think honestly, I think that the purpose, although it doesn't come off this way, is the fact his dad has abandoned him, so he tries to find a fa- he takes uh, Uncle Remus as his new father figure. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why he's like, I want to be with Uncle Remus because he'd never abandoned me like you did, Dad. I mean, I feel like we don't get a lot of time to distinguish, like, oh, maybe the couple is having some kind of tiff where they're separating, like you said. And all we know is that his journalism job is controversial, but we never find out why. So we don't know if it's a redeeming thing, if he's doing something that's, like, pro, I don't know, something good, like, pro-black people. I'm trying to think of what would be controversial for the time as far as journalism is concerned. I I mean, it's Reconstruction, so... Uh, if it's a reconstruction era but he the the father feels compelled to have to go do it so i'm i'm wondering if it's important and it never gets explained (laughs) so i don't know if i should feel bad for the dad or if i should be like oh yeah uncle remus gets the kid (laughs) (laughs) uh, do you think do you think the dad and uncle remus are gonna have to do joint custody or (laughs) like does he get to see his dad on weekends and then uncle remus during the week that that was not handled well at all. The whole relationship between his mom, his dad, what's going on between his mom and his dad. He he tries I noticed when he leaves, he he kisses her almost like it, it's a very like like strong like I still love you, but it's the kiss is so fake and I just felt like are they trying a, a gone with the wind kind of thing? This is not Scarlett O'Hara, so I don't or or you know just like the wrong time for that kind of thing. Yeah, that was all. That was all different, and that was a different story entirely. So. Yeah, that that part was not handled well at all. And then it's like the idea, like, oh, the fact that Johnny's almost dying at least brings his father back and realizes, yes, I need to be a good dad. Oh yeah, and not do my journalism thing. And yet his he his coming back does nothing. I'm here. I'm here to save you. Get out of here, Dad. I want Uncle Remus. <laughs> Yeah. You're not, you're not a, you, you can't give me, uh, you, you can't give me sage black advice. Get out of here. Uh, that's something I was wondering also while watching, because it, I wasn't sure if this is something I was imagining or if it was something that's implied that Remus isn't allowed into the house until the kid's about to die. Um, I don't, well, I, I he well, walks into the kitchen at one point. Yeah, but he like sneaks in with some firewood so he can flirt with, uh, the aunt for like a second and i was just wondering i didn't you know i didn't think about that but yeah that's it's always on the steps he's like he could come inside but he doesn't mm-hmm. and i was just wondering is like he's not is he not allowed in because she makes a point to tell him that he can come in to see this kid especially since all the other you know non-slave people are outside singing well, for this kid that's been there for three days because well, the little kid uh um the uh, his friend the little black kid actually his name is Toby I looked at Toby up. okay that's right uh, okay <laughs> oh god oh that's a that's a thing right there isn't it yeah <laughs> I just thought of that watch uh, out okay god okay so he's a delightful kid even so but <laughs> but Toby is allowed in Toby's just in there all the time he has a little pillow fight with uh with um. Well, no, Johnny starts his pillow fight with him. And then there's the whole frog thing and the weird They're going to go thing. to the mill pond to get frogs, and then that's when he gets made fun of. That's when Johnny gets made fun of. I'm sorry, I'm wandering way off topic. Sorry. Yeah, but, but I'm like... <laughs> the lace. I, I thought the idea behind it was that um, because his mom was so against uh, Uncle Remus at that time, that's why they said, yes, you're allowed to come in. But, I mean... That That's why I was wondering if it was something I made up, like I, I saw while I was watching it. I didn't think about it, but it could be a possibility. I mean, so the mom's not necessarily not necessarily racist. She's just Uncle Remus. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> well, because uh, well, even the grandmother like is a little more understanding of well, Uncle Remus. Well, because there's a point. Uh, she's like, of course, I'm not mad at you. At, at the point when I can't be mad at you, Uncle Remus. Because he lies uh, to cover Johnny from running away. And then Toby messes up and says, oh, don't forget your bag. Why? No. Oh, wasn't it like, uh, uh, I can't think of the actress's name or the the character's name, but it's Hattie McDonald comes out and she's like, what did I tell you? Don't. (laughs) (sighs) When someone's trying to cover up, you don't narc. (laughs) 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 Oh man! But 
but yeah, no, you're that now that that is interesting. Um, although you got, I gotta admit, Uncle Remus has made quite the impact. I noticed like it was interesting because like the first song you hear, one of the first songs you hear, like uh, you know, all the black folks singing is the one where they're around the fire and they're singing about Uncle Remus said this, Uncle Remus said that, and it's all these an- like sort of shorthand, all these animal stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, and and the first thing I do is I turn to Kayla and said like, he has this much influence over the community. Is this like a cult? <laughs> <laughs> But, but then, like, you'd think Uncle Remus would be a lot more more confident in what he's doing. But then, like, he gets that one, you can't tell stories to Johnny anymore. And he's just like, well, I'm going to pack up my stuff and leave then. I'm like, aren't you throwing in the towel a little soon, Uncle Remus? You got a whole community I was a little, you. I was a little, I was a little, um, I was a little saddened by that turn of events just because I thought Uncle Remus was, like, much like Br'er Rabbit and other, you know, all the, in these animal stories he's telling, he, he himself is, like, the confident, like, general trickster in his own way, you know? But here he is, just like, well, if I can't tell this white kid's stories, I better leave. <laughs> I'm just like, no, Uncle Remus. It's all due to a bunch of little misunderstandings anyway. I feel like there wasn't a lot of communication. Yeah, that comes think- down to, uh, I don't think that they're used to talking like or making cases for themselves. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes where Remus is trying to describe something. And I find that he's just like looking down and not looking at anybody. And I was like, oh, that's sad. That is yeah. sad. Because he's such a, he is such a, a, a bit, he's such a, he's such a lively figure in the whole story, you know, in the whole film. Mm-hmm. And then, and sometimes he's, he's terrifying, like when his head is just floating in darkness. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, I don't know. It just it, it it was it was just jarring, and, and and maybe it's also because again the conflict didn't seem as it didn't feel as severe as it should be. You know, although they made the whole bull thing a bit severe. There's even though he recovered in a, Johnny no, recovered but, in a heartbeat. Yeah, but not only that. Do you realize that the whole like black community is outside the house singing like like keeping a vigil and like singing a hymn, and you're like, what? <laughs> Are we? Really- I mean. He's only made like three friends in the time that he's been there. <laughs> I assume it has to do with the fact that everybody knows that Remus has been like mentoring the boy almost. Oh, yeah. I buy his friendship with the Toby kid. You know, yeah, I... it seems like they have an actual friendship going on. Maybe maybe Toby was mentioned it to everybody and, and everybody cares about Toby, so they Yeah, I think it's like well he they care about Toby and Uncle Remus, so but yeah, I agree. I, I find Toby and um Johnny's uh, relationship definitely realistic. I mean, but then again, they're both really good child actors. So they are, like uh, for the most part. I mean, uh, the one girl character, she's adorable, but she overplays it. That smile, like she's crying, and then suddenly she's smiling. Or what was the first time he meets her and he gives her that lace collar? Right? Yeah. She sort of puts it to her face, and then she turns to him, and then her face lights up, and it's kind of. Lighting up a little too bright for me. Yeah, there's a very Shirley Temple vibe to her. But I thought she was adorable. Yeah, well, she's she's ador- she's appropriately adorable. Um, there's there's a little bit there's just that teeny bit of Hollywood child actor glam to her, you know? Yeah, just a little bit. Well, uh, like a bit overacting. It's fine. It's fine. It's what it's like. A, okay, we we have talked about. I mean, unless there's anything else anybody wants to address, because I'm having a blast just talking about the weird, the weirdness <laughs> that is this movie. Um, I mean, we found a lot of things in it to point out that weren't actually boring, even if it was amongst the sea of just, I really don't know why I'm watching it kind of movie. I will say, uh, overall, I liked it more than Gone with the Wind. I, I hated Gone with the Wind. I've never seen Gone with the Wind, so. I've never seen it either, surprisingly enough. Uh, let's let's meet again sometime, and let, after you've both seen Gone with the Wind, and we can talk about how the only good things in the movie, like it's it's not worth the time to hear uh, Clark Gable say, "Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn," even though it was hella awesome when he did it. But it's three hours long. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not worth all spending all that time watching this long movie to hear him say that. Oh, I want to see, uh, one of the actually controversial parts in this film is, uh, that's been brought up before is the tar baby. What do you think? I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I figured, I I, kind of went to ask. We might as well get into the animation parts now because those are the best parts anyway. Yes. Uh, I mean, there really isn't much to say about tar baby. It's, it's part of the stories. Okay. Uh, Um, it's just an unfortunate name. (laughs) Yeah. 
but I I I think it's almost worse because I've seen people try to I've seen like edited versions where they've tried to change it up and it was like a glue baby. Not like the movie, but like illustrations in books and whatnot. Oh. Where the tar baby became a glue baby. I'm like, so you're literally going to whitewash the tar baby. Does that actually make it better? Hmm. I mean, I'm all for things that are like that if it keeps towards, I guess, if it's just part of the original collection of stories. I don't mind it all that much. It's yeah. just, it's there. That's yeah. that's and, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I, I, I felt like it. it's not because it is part of the, again, the original sort of story it just has an unfortunate name and unfortunate connotations but it's part of the history i mean there are worse things it could have been called <laughs> oh yeah that's very true but yeah that's true it is it is actually that's one thing i, I wanted to make sure because yeah it's part of the original story um but uh yeah i mean like like i said uh we're finally gonna get around to it man these the story parts the animated parts are so good yeah, I really. They're love so it. good. Uh, <laughs> as as someone who does uh, um, illustrate and such, what is your opinion of like the animation and the artwork? I mean, it seems to be like an evolution of like a uh, classic Disney style almost. I mean, you can definitely see everything that's like there, and how it's uh, affected stuff that's come later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say anything against it. It's just good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, one of the fun facts is that um, uh, James Basket, who vo- when voicing Bear Fox, speaks so fast that the animators had a tough time trying to animate the fox's mouth. <laughs> you only have so many frames. <laughs> so if you if you'll notice, like when uh, Brer Fox is talking, it'll they'll try to like cut to a like a, another character, or his head will judder a lot, so it's harder to see his uh, his mouth, mouth movements. Hmm. But I, I think they were happy to get that challenge because whenever you hear like whenever um, we talked about Disney animators and like when they try to do something, they always are like, "I want to do this because it's something outside of my comfort zone." Like I mean, like they did with Fantasia and such. Mm-hmm. So I think they probably I could see them being like, "Ooh, this will be a challenge, but it's going to be a fun one." Yeah, I could see that, um, and. Um... I mean, it's funny because like we were watching the movie, and I think the the few parts that where where the movie intentionally made us laugh out loud were during those. The other times we were laughing out loud at just the absurdity of some of the situations. Like David and I actually genuinely laughed during the laughing place. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Actually. I don't know why it's well. Um, it's bees. Yeah, <laughs> bees are always funny. Actually, Bees are funny. <laughs> My, I think the part that was funniest to me was uh, the very first one where uh, Br'er Rabbit's caught in the snare, and it keeps cutting to Br'er Fox running down from Chickapin Hill with a hatchet, and he's getting closer and closer. <laughs> and every time it cuts to Br'er Fox, it's just hilarious. It's the way he's just running, he's salivating, he's crashing through woodland, and Br'er, and Br'er Rabbit is just... No! Oh, no! Like, I, I really like that scene. Uh, they keep like checking him running down and then i got really caught up with uh there's a part where there's this very obvious road leading up to where he came from uh-huh. and rare fox decides instead of taking the road all the way around that he's going to cut through some bushes for some reason uh-huh. and that i just hung up on that one part for almost the entire <laughs> scene like why is he cutting through there there's a road he ran the road the rest of the way there why is he suddenly deciding to cut it would take longer to go through there why is he and i <laughs> I literally sat there and thought about it for maybe a good five minutes. I, like, I stopped the movie. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> it didn't dawn on me, but you're totally right. Like, was his was his uh, was his quest nav was his quest nav off? Like, did I mean, he... I just assumed it was some sort of animation trick, so you have to like do less, but you still get the impression that he's coming. But I thought it would take less time to actually travel the rest of the road than cut through the bushes. But it gives him time to do the switch off so the fox can't see that he's done it. That's true. Uh, but it, it just, I don't know, it irks me. I, I notice things like that when I watch movies. <laughs> no, it's, it's that's, and as, I'm glad you pointed that out because now I'm thinking about it. And all I can think is, um, uh, clearly, uh, Br'er Fox was following a quest marker on his map. <laughs> and uh, he accidentally went the wrong way and realized he had to go back to the road, even though the road didn't seem like the right way to go. But he was just focus fire following the little the little arrow on his map screen 
you know, probably got into the woods, probably fought a random encounter or two, and then with his axe. And I also um, felt kind of bad, and also not bad for Brer Bear getting the short <laughs> end of a lot of sticks in these stories. Oh man, Brer Bear! <laughs> like the hat part is like. Mm-hmm. You and there's yeah they kept switching hats yeah and then he actually puts the <laughs> puts the tar baby's <laughs> head on his hat <laughs> it's like I I like the fact they kept up uh they kept the continuity of like his head the like the fur off his head's ripped off and then the fur off his butt is ripped off yeah they never replace it for the rest of that short <laughs> um I oh, man you know it, things would have just been so much easier if they had done things Bear Bear's way. What, hit it with a club? Or... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna knock his head clean off. Like, I wanted to dislike Br'er Bear because he's kind of, like, quick to anger, lumbering oaf kind of guy. Yeah. But he just seemed like, oh, you know what? He's only mad because people keep screwing him over. Yeah. He's he's not... he's It's it's really unfortunate. He's just... He, he's kind of just unassuming. He's not, like... You know. Yeah, like I feel like if you were to walk into the same bar with Br'er Bear, you could have a drink with him and it'd be fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, then, but then you screw him over. And... Dude, I want Br'er Bear on my side. If like we go, we go to a bar, we share a few drinks, we go out and some muggers show up. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna knock okay. their heads clean off. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes that club. Oh man, so good. I was I was a little distracted by the continuity error that was uh, Br'er Fox not riding a log out of the cave from Chickapin Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's some false advertising right there. <laughs> Why is it? I mean, it does make you wonder, like, what's the relation between the ride and the short? Because well, I watched it, and I was kind of like, I don't know. What am I supposed to determine? The inter- there's a okay. So let me let me talk a little bit about Splash Mountain because there's a there's a weird thing about Splash Mountain. You know how a lot of the animal characters in there you don't actually see in Song of the South. Yeah. Like, for example, the riverboat with all the dancing birds on it. Yeah. Um, Song of the South uh, was the inspiration, but uh, it was also kind of built out of necessity because recently they had closed America Sings, and they needed something to do with all of those animal animatronics. Oh. So they just incorporated, reincorporated all those characters into Splash Mountain. So there are characters from America Sings, like um, I think the birds that are on the riverboat at the end that are singing Zippity Doodah, they're originally part of a gospel scene from America Sings. That was before my time, unfortunately, so I never got to see the original show, but I think, if, I think uh, my mom probably remembers. Didn't your mom? You guys are so Disney knowledgeable, all these things I don't know. Uh, this is, I, I'm a parks nerd, first and foremost. I know a lot of nerdy things about the Disney parks, so. Uh, where I'm more of the Disney movie nerd. Well, that's why there's so many weird things like geese, and and also there's that weird part where Br'er, Br'er Fox pops up and goes, I'm going to marry your dad, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. Oh, so, oh, okay, so, um, there's... No, no, no! Don't explain it. No, don't, no! Don't explain it. People can find it on their own. It, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, cracked article. It's a, it, just no, look, it's not. It's, it's not cracked. It's not cracked. It's an article, but it's a clickhole. Thank you. Yeah, it's clickhole. It's a clickhole article. It's clickhole. It is strange, but it's amazing. And that's just, just look it up. It, it's called like four the, reasons. It, the top ten times the or t- top four the. Top four times the animatronic fox on Splash Mountain said he was going to marry my dad. <laughs> and it is amazing. Um, but that's why, again, a lot of these animal characters are in Splash Mountain that you don't see in uh, Song of the South. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I think, and then also, they figured, okay, we need a drop. What happens that it requires, like, a drop? Oh, yeah, he throws him into the briar patch. Let's use that. Yep. So... Briar Patch. Briar Patch. Briar Patch. I like how Br'er Rabbit hammed up that whole falling into the Briar Patch thing. Yeah. Please. So good. Like when he, he, he grabs the flower after he falls over dead. <laughs> yeah, holds it to his <laughs> chest like he's in a coffin. No one can see him, but he does it anyway. <laughs> he's a great character, Br'er Rabbit. What a great folk hero. I like all of them. Like, they're all fantastic characters like the or like the animated characters in their own right oh yeah well they, they, they those parts steal the show which is of course why that got 
re uh, that's why that that persisted. Um, and then uh, I guess there's not really much left to talk about except the ending. Oh, the is are they real or aren't they with these children? <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly, uh, one of at least one of the animated characters scares the dog a little bit. <laughs> What was the dog's name, Kayla? Oh, I had to look at this. Uh, his name is Teenchi. Teenchi. Like, I heard something else. Yeah, that's right. It sounded very inappropriate. <laughs> I had to look it up because we're like, Chi-Chi? Chi-Chi? Is this dog going to go on and marry Goku? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's spelled T-E-N, or T-E-E-N-C-H-I, which I have no idea where that name come from. I... I hear Tinchi, but my brain wants to correct it to Tenchi, and that's not good. <laughs> the, the teen, well, if if you had a dog, if you had Tinchi, would you give it the last name Muyo? <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. That is an oh. area of my life that I have closed the book on. <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that 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 was also kind of cool getting to see how. Uh, especially for Kayla and I, who are making our way through this film by film, the 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 it gets the, it gets more and more sophisticated. The blending of live ma- live action and animation, especially in this bit, and then and everybody gets to you know all the kids walk off into the sunset with Uncle Remus, and it's a good time, and sun goes down, and it's over. I, f- I felt kind of awkward though. The fact that Remus was like, he sees the kids, and then he sees the little animated creatures, and he's like, oh, they're seeing the woodland folk, like I see them. And then he has to chase down the kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the kids don't stop. Oh, hey, it's Uncle Remus. They stop, like, at the top of this hill, and then he has to, like, catch up to him. And it seemed to take a little bit longer than I would have liked to happen for him to catch up. But I still liked it. He's got a cane. He, they're, they're making that poor old man have to, like, really hoof it to get to them. Poor Uncle Remus. Poor Uncle Remus. <laughs> the poor beleaguered Uncle He has to deal with so much nonsense in this movie. He's the best character. No really wonder is. he... No wonder we briefly see the dark side of him where he's just a floating disembodied head in the shadows. <laughs> There's, oh boy. A man who smokes a pipe with a turtle can't be that bad. That's yeah. true. Or, uh, frog. Was it Br'er Frog? It was Br'er Frog. Who was this frog? Fro- I thought it was a turtle. There was uh, a turtle, but I think, was... I think when he gave the pipe to the, when he shared, when he struck a match and went fishing with, um, with Br'er, it was Br'er Frog during that part. Yeah, that was... Uh. That's, okay. Uh, the actor, voice actor for that is Roy Glenn. I was like, Thurl Ravenscroft? No, it's uh, Roy Glenn. Yeah, Thurl hadn't joined the cast yet, I don't think. But um, Claire, Clarence Nash, who does the voice of Donald Duck, actually is the voice of the bluebird. So so literally he just whistles. Yeah, so Donald Duck whistling is the bluebird. Well, still better than uh, in the previous movie when uh, there was a cat fight and the cat was obviously Donald Duck gibberish. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, During Make Mine Music. Yeah. <laughs> One of our package films. We're halfway through those package films. This is going to be a long Animusings Plus, I realize, but I mean, I think, I think... This deserved it, though. This deserved it. This was a... I mean, regardless how you feel about it, this is kind of an important piece of animation history still. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, it's... Maybe a very controversial movie. It may be a movie people talk about, like, all uncomfortable-like, but it is kind of a landmark as far as, the, like, it's like a live-action animation. Right. It's uh, just film history in general. Exactly. I agree. And and this is just my opinion, but I I can recognize the places where it, it is problematic but um, and where stereotypes get involved, but I don't think it's as bad as people think because you got to look at it with some of the context, you know? Yeah, like I mean, I, I, when I was describing it uh, earlier to my boyfriend, I said to him, I don't hate it. It's okay. It's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's boring. It really That's is. That's the boring. worst crime the movie commits, really. Uh, <laughs> and we appreciate you watching it. <laughs> yeah, Randy, thank you for joining us for this episode. Well, thank you for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun. Cool. I want to bring him on for another one at some point. Yeah, do you have any uh, any favorites that you'd like to like call dibs on right now? We have a few, cool. and we'll let you know if anybody else is called dibs. But oh no, I have no idea. As far as like the older movies go, I don't know how far you guys are gonna go. Oh, we're gonna, could... we're we're going all the way to the end. We're going to Moana and beyond. I could not name off a bunch of movies off the top of my head. You're only doing um, 
what Disney did, right? We're doing the we're doing the no we're we're, we're doing every every movie that Walt Disney Animation Studios has done. Okay, so that's right. Like nothing involving Pixar, just Disney. Yeah, yeah, just Disney. I mean, we're our goal is to eventually get to other. Like when we're done with Disney, we're gonna eventually uh, go off and talk about other sort of animation studios. I'd love to talk about Pixar, Studio Ghibli, um, the works of Don Bluth, um, DreamWorks. Oh man, I love Don Bluth's movies, <laughs> and I hate that he keeps getting overshadowed by Disney. Do you do you want to call dibs on a Don Bluth movie right now? I mean, it's going to be a while. Because we'll, we'll I will get... totally do Rockadoodle. Yes, you can do. Rock-a-doodle. Yeah, Rockadoodle. <laughs> It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I have a soft spot for Rockadoodle. I don't care what people say. I like Rockadoodle. <laughs> I wanted to be one of those opulent owls when I was a kid. Oh man, yeah. I did too. Oh, we... <laughs> oh uh, this is gonna be fun. We, we let, let's talk more about this when we're off uh, off recording. <laughs> I want to talk about this for sure. But um, mm-hmm. Randy, where can the, all the the nice people find you if they wanna if they wanna check out your work? Um, if they wanna check out my work. Uh, I have a Patreon <laughs> where people could donate money to, uh, and it is the uh, Captain's Art uh, Patreon. You have to spell it like T-H-E, and then the word Captain, the Z, and then A-R-T. Uh, and it's the same on Twitter, the Captain's Art, and that's where I can be reached. Excellent. Generally. Yay! And if you want to check out uh, where we are on social media, and hey, we're still looking for people to like, you know, pose questions you want us to talk about when it comes to certain films. Uh, up next, uh, I mean, if you're listening, if you're listening to these as pluses, I mean, hopefully you're listening to them in order. But uh, well, up next, we're going to be doing uh, fun and fancy free. Yes, and then the next animusing plus is actually so dear to my heart. I want to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're gonna probably that's probably gonna be very brief. Yeah. That one. But um, I mean, we'll 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 see. Um, I don't know if we want to hit every movie on Animusings Plus because the the thing is, we then have to we if we we can't we'd have to talk about like the Disney the directed video sequels and well th- well I mean that's not actually part of that believe it or not true we just we're just doing the kind of offshoots yeah there's I mean there's some I think we could skip like I don't think we need to do. Recess schools out <laughs> the movie. Are we gonna I need... secretly love that movie. No, so. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. But in terms of like to Disney animation history, though, it's you're right. Yeah, but like no, no, no I, like I actually I grew up on Recess. I grew up on like uh, like one Saturday morning and da, stuff da, like da, that. Da, 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 but then da, da, da. you got to realize they also there's also teacher teacher's pet the movie, and that's yeah, yeah. Oh dear. I so forgot like, that existed. Yeah, me too. So I don't it's even like, know do, what it is, really. Exactly. So I'm not. I'm not sure how. And that doesn't feel that important to animation history. A whole lot of Nathan Lane. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Actually, not just Nathan Lane. There's like a bunch of like well-known voice actors in there. Like Wallace Shawn is in there. Inconceivable. And, and then um, <laughs> Kitty from uh, that '70s show does a voice in there. What? Yeah. 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 She's the teacher. <laughs> and then I forget that I think like uh, there's another famous voice actor that does the bird, but I can't think of his name right now. But that was like a it, it, that's almost as we're we're not going to talk about teach. We well, we might. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we feel. We'll cross. That's going to be a long time ahead. coming. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But if you want to talk to us about uh, fun and fancy free and possibly so dear to my heart. Uh, leave us some feedback. Uh, you can find us at Animusings Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also reach us at um, uh, Animusings Podcast at gmail.com. Animusings Podcast at gmail.com. And, and uh, or uh, follow us on our own personal Twitters. Uh, I'm Matt Canary T. Robot. Uh, he's David's at, uh, at Scary Sauce. I, I would have taken Spooky Sauce, but apparently someone had already called that, so that's why I'm at Scary Sauce. Um, well, excellent. Uh, this has been good. This was um, this is good again, Randy. Thank you so much for joining us. I think uh, I think this uh, this ended up being a lot more fun than I expected. Same. Yay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, or I'm just saying, considering how how boring some parts of this movie were, so there was actually a lot to talk about. So that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So until next time, uh, we'll see you on the next major episode of Animusings. And uh, remember, when that big hand gets gets to the top, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're coming to the top of the drop. Ready? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I'm Aaron. I'm Brendan. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. And we're the hosts of Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. So Aaron, what is Doughboys? Doughboys is this podcast hosted by Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell, who are two hilarious comedians, where they talk about chain restaurants every single week. So wait, what's Faux Boys then? Faux Boys is a podcast hosted by Aaron, Brendan, Brian, and Rob, four hilarious comedians who talk about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Are we going to go to the same chain restaurants that the Doughboys are going to? I sure hope so, but if we don't, we're still going to record an episode. Do they have chain restaurants in Canada? <laughs> Some of them. So tune in to Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants, on BenviewNetwork.com. Every two weeks to listen to Faux Boys, the podcast about the podcast about chain restaurants. Hey, does Feral Audio know we're doing this? This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.